Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast, your source for policy rants and raves from Tech Freedom, your Washington, D.C. advocate for the freedom to tinker and innovate. I'm Evan Schwartzharber, your host. On today's show, drone safety. Right before Christmas, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, rushed through rules requiring that drones that weigh over half a pound be registered with the agency for $5. And uh, as part of that registration, you have to give away personal information like your home address. Uh, Will these regulations make drones and our airspace safer? Joining me to discuss this is Eli Dorado, Director of Technology Policy at the Mercatus Center, a research center based at George Mason University. Eli, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Evan. So, Eli, are these regulations a good idea? Is making you know every kid that got a drone from Santa register it with the government for five bucks? Is that going to make our skies safer? Well, you know, Evan, I, you know, I was really surprised uh, in December when the FAA came out with these with these rules. I, you know, I didn't expect that they would go down to 250 grams for uh, requiring a registration. And you know, for context, that's, that's as you noted, that's a little over half a pound. Uh, and the FAA gives guidelines. This is the the weight of two sticks of butter. Is so. So if your if your drone weighs more than two sticks of butter, you have to register it with them. Yes, so I was dangerous objects that weigh uh, t- yes, the, the yes. equivalent of two sticks two of sticks, butter. Two sticks of butter. So I was so I was really surprised. And uh, and uh, you know, one, one, the thing that we wanted to do, uh, my colleague Sam Hammond and I, um, we wanted to find out. You know, is this really going to uh, implicate uh, drone? You know, the safety of the airspace. You know, the big fear, of course, is that uh, a, a drone is going to fly into the path of a big, giant commercial jet and take down the jet and kill everybody on board. And um, and and then, you know, that, that would, I mean, of course, that would be horrible uh, if that if that happened, and it would set back, you know, drones as a, as a technology for for decades, maybe uh, if that happened. But we, you know, we wanted to see. Uh, is that actually a likely scenario with uh, with with drones and uh, you know even even if they were unregulated you know above 250 grams? So this begs the question: Is there actually a problem that the FAA is solving? And you have a study uh, which is titled "Do Consumer Drones Endanger the National Airspace? Evidence from Wildlife Strike Data." And you see all these news stories about near misses with aircraft. Some guy is flying around his drone as a hobbyist and he almost takes down an airplane or firefighters are trying to get a wildfire in the southwest and uh, their path is obstructed by people using drones. So the casual observer who hasn't looked at the data might think that there really is a problem and that the proliferation of consumer drones are endangering the national airspace. But... You've looked at the data. Is there actually a problem that the FAA is solving? Uh, so I think in general, drones are, are very, very safe. And so the way to the way to study this, the way that we approach this question is that we realized there are 10 billion flying objects already uh, in, in the sky, and they're known as birds. <laughs> um, and the FAA has has kept track of of the of the way that wildlife has affected uh, aviation and the number of collisions that have, have occurred, and they have uh, documented over the last twenty five and a half years about one hundred sixty thousand uh, incidents in which birds have or air, aircraft have reported hitting hitting birds, uh, sometimes with with damage to the aircraft and sometimes uh, per, perhaps injuring and, and in rare cases even killing people on board. Um, so so we we looked at that data set and we were able to to figure out. Um, 
you know, how often how often do these collisions happen, given that there are 10 billion birds? Like, what's the what's the average rate of, of getting struck? And then what's the kind of damage that you 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 get by by massive bird? Right. How, how big the bird is and how much damage it causes. And, and, you know, we find that, that crashes are, are fairly rare. Uh, I think we estimate that it's, uh, you know, once in every 374,000 years of operation of a drone, we would expect, you know, if they, if they behave like birds, then we would expect a, a, a crash. And then, um, you know, only in, in two out of a thousand cases would we expect an injury to a, a human on board uh, a, a plane or a, or a helicopter. So really a tiny drone, the size of which that the FAA is regulating this drone. This two kilograms would, is, right. is what we looked at specifically. So that would basically add as much danger to the airspace as an extra bird. Uh, yeah, and I've actually I've actually wondered if we could have some sort of like offset policy where if you want to fly a, a drone unregulated, you just have to kill a bird that's bigger, <laughs> you know, greater greater of equal or greater mass before you fly. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, and that would that would make the airspace safer, right? So maybe instead of the FAA just requiring that uh, every kid that got a drone from Santa register it with the government. That uh, you, every kid who got a drone from Santa needs to get a BB gun and go shoot a bird uh, to offset the to offset yeah the, the danger he's yeah. causing to the airspace. No, uh, uh, you know, of course, of course, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating that, but, but it's, <laughs> it's something you could, it's something you could do, and that's that shows you about about the level of danger that we're talking about. Uh, that you're adding, you know, if you're if you're adding, if you estimate that there's about 10 billion birds in U.S. airspace, and we looked at a, a bird time use study, believe it or not, that said that they spend about half their time flying and half their time perched in, in general. So so you think there's 10 billion birds flying about 12 hours a day. Well, that means if you added a million drones and they were all flying 12 hours a day, that's still a 0.01% increase in the number of flying objects. So it's a really minuscule amount of of, of danger being added to the airspace from, from drones. So if the FAA, as your study suggests, is not being motivated by real danger, that, that, that having a bunch of uh, people flying drones around as a hobby is not really causing the skies to be more dangerous, then what is motivating the agencies rushing through rules right before Christmas? Is it what I said earlier about the news stories and kind of the sensationalizing around the issue of drones? Is it political? What do you think is behind this move to require people to register drones? You know, I think that the, the FAA is just extremely, extremely risk averse. I mean, they're, they're a safety regulator. If they end up in headlines at all, they consider that uh, a bad, a bad, a bad day. Um, so, so I think they really just want to uh, just to be very, very cautious. I think there's also a little bit of a, a, a lobbying issue going on here with the um, with the airline pilots who, uh, you know, for one, you know, they they complain about about potential safety issues, particularly with drones in the path in the sort of link landing and takeoff path uh, around airports, and then you know, ultimately. Let's hope uh, drones are going to steal their jobs, right? Or, or autonomous autonomous flying systems are going to steal uh, the pilots' jobs. So, um, so I think that there's a there's a little bit of a public in, uh, public choice story with the, with the pilots opposing it, but then there's also just a very um, safety cautious, uh, risk-averse mentality at the FAA. Yeah, and uh, surely the FAA doesn't like to have a situation where the public is concerned about something, they're concerned about safety, and 
the agency is asleep at the wheel. When there's a big outcry and people are saying we need to do something if they just sit there and do nothing, which might be the right approach. As your study suggests, mm-hmm. maybe just not issuing these regulations would have been the most logical thing to do. But they're certainly under a lot of pressure as a regulator who's in charge of the air, airspace to do something. And maybe it wasn't the most well thought out proposal. Maybe it was just we got to do something before Christmas. All these kids are going to be opening up presents and there's not going to be any regulations. So let's just do something for the sake of doing something. But something you know we talk about at Tech Freedom is cost benefit analysis Mm -hmm. and regulatory agencies they're supposed to weigh consumer benefits and consumer harms when issuing new regulations so as your study suggests if adding a drone that weighs half a pound to the sky is the same as adding a bird to the sky of which there are 10 billion already there's not a lot of consumer harm there but the consumer benefit of having a drone it's hard to quantify, but you can just say, I want to be able to do this. I, I enjoy this. This is fun. There's a consumer benefit there. Requiring people to register for $5, people are averse to the government having information about themselves. You know, I don't want to give my address. I don't want to be part of some national database. Like there's a lot of uh, databases out there that people don't want to be a part of, like gun owners or if you're mentally ill. There's a lot of privacy concerns there. So in your view, is there a potential for these regulations to cause harm to consumers even though their intention is to benefit consumers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that there's there's a lot of uh, potential harm. I think so one one thing that I worry about in particular is the safety of the of the database in terms of is it protected from hackers from from people who might be engaged in identity theft, uh, etc. Um you know, this is this is necessarily a public database, right? This is this is uh, tail matching up tail numbers to uh, to to names of people, um, so that potentially you can sue someone who who causes harm to you. Um, you know, there's also the problem of do we think that this is actually a solution? You know, is this how if we if we have you know if the, if the rationale really is we must do something and this is something and therefore we're going to do it. Um, does it maybe make us think that we've solved the drone safety problem, you know, such as it is, um, when we really haven't? I mean, there's still some some good steps that we could do, for example, making sure that people don't operate drones in the path of, uh, you know, right around airports, right, where, where planes are landing and taking off, right? And, and registration doesn't per se stop that. It just means that you have to be registered, and maybe you don't get, if you do it, you don't get caught until... Uh, your plane is your, your drone is ingested into an engine, and then it's probably impossible to identify the registration number anyway. So, um, so I I would like to see uh, much more focused on particular behaviors that we want to avoid rather than preemptively requiring everybody to register. Yeah, it's important to note that just the the fact that you've caught you've required people to show up or, or online register with the FAA and say I have a drone. That doesn't inherently stop things like near misses with aircraft or obstructing the path of a firefighter. Like that doesn't actually necessarily alter behavior. Maybe the FAA's thinking was that it would kind of get that idea in people's mind that drones are controversial and that there's something like inherently bad about what you're doing and then that would make you more cautious. But they're not. They didn't say anything about what you can really do with it. I assume that there are existing laws on the books about flying near an airport and things like that. But 
really, they haven't done a comprehensive rulemaking about how to handle drones in, in the 21st century, and it's already 2016. They've gotten a lot of criticism for dragging their feet. So again, maybe this $5 registration requirement, it was just uh, buying them time because they haven't figured it out yet. Um, yeah, I think that, that I think that's right. I think they don't, they just don't know what to do about this. And, 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 you know, unfortunately we don't give regulate, if they were to really support innovation in this, in this context, I worry that they wouldn't get enough, you know, public credit for it. Right. So, so the fact that they are not, um, that they, we would be inadequately rewarding them for, uh, for innovation means that their, their incentive really is to just be very, very risk averse. Yeah. And they're not an agency that's concerned with economics. They're not an agency that's concerned with the potential for regulation to damage the economy because their number one priority is making the airspace safe. So when presented with choices, you know, whatever they're going to do, they're probably going to err on the side of caution and safety, not on the side of permissionless innovation and kind of letting things shake out. And a drone enthusiast or, you know, a drone lobbyist or anyone on that side of the equation might say it's too early to be doing things like this. And if there isn't a real problem, we should wait and see. This is a very young industry. We have no idea how it's going to shake out. And anything you do now that's overly prescriptive could hamper innovation. It could rob the economy of billions in potential growth. Just the fact that you're requiring people to pay five bucks and register with the database, that could make people less likely to buy a drone. Maybe that was their intention to kind of slow down the market a little bit. But so if if this is not the right approach, and um, I think a lot of people think it's not the right approach to just do this registration requirement. If you were the chairman of the FAA and you had kind of unlimited authority to do whatever you want, what would you do? Um, well, I would probably take a, a page from from Canada's uh, regulatory playbook here and and just uh, have wide latitude for uh, hobbyist use of drones. So in Canada, uh, you're basically you know as long as you fly within certain parameters, you are free from any regulation as long as you're uh, under I think 35 kilograms. So so. Uh, 140 times more weight than than what we're talking about here in the U.S. Um, and then you know some very simple common sense rules for commercial operation as well. Uh, in Canada, I, I believe you don't have to get any specific approval for uh, for commercial operation until you're over 25 kilos. So uh, so very much more um, much more friendly to innovation in Canada and and so we should be looking to to do what what the way do it the way they're doing and and a lot of a lot of business is moving to Canada Amazon Amazon is testing their 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 drones in Canada uh, for exactly that reason Oh, that'd make a great stump speech for your eventual run for office. Uh, we need to be more like Canada. Do you think <laughs> well, that would play well in this current election well, season? <laughs> Canada's governing circles around us, so so maybe we should be uh, maybe we should be a little bit more like Canada. Yeah, it's really important to note that if the the, the more restrictive the regime is here, the, it gives a competitive advantage to other countries. I mean, if it's easier to test drones in other countries, if you're a company like Amazon, you want to explore package delivery, and over here you've got a higher weight limit than for regulation than in Canada, well, obviously, it's not that expensive for a company like Amazon to just take its business elsewhere. And of course, the smaller companies that can't afford to do that, they may never get off the ground. And that's something that is always a problem with regulation is that established incumbents who have lawyers, who have regulatory knowledge, they're not going to go out of business because of some dumb regulation that the FAA promulgates. 
But a smaller company that might have been the future competitor to Amazon, if they can't comply with the regime, they're going to be more affected by it. And right now, you know, our main focus of this discussion has been drone safety when we're talking about tiny little drones that function like birds. But obviously, the application for drones are limitless as you increase the weight. You could have, you know, agriculture, you could be watering your plants with drones, you could be fighting fires with drones, you could be doing a lot of things. And those pose other concerns about privacy and you know what data is being collected and how is the government using drones. So do you see the FAA doing anything in the next few months, years about drones? I mean, obviously we have this registration requirement now, which we've characterized as kind of a buying time measure. What do you think is going to happen in this space? What should listeners be looking out for as the issue progresses? Well, I think that the FAA is moving uh Moving, moving forward rather slowly, but, but still making progress on commercial drones. And they're doing so mostly because Congress is making them do it. So Congress, you know, going back to 2012 when they passed uh, the FAA Modernization and Reform Act, they uh, laid out certain requirements for the FAA to uh, move to, to regulate and allow for the first time commercial drones. The FAA has been dragging their feet, but they but they are. Uh, they are um, making making some forward progress, and now this year the, the FAA is being reauthorized again, and uh, and, the, and both houses of Congress are considering uh, legislation that would force the FAA to move forward and and, and take bigger steps, and and uh, you know even even uh, I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of support from from both houses. To you know, this they support the idea that this is an innovative industry, and we do need to do need to help it move move along. So there are there are there are provisions in, in both the House and Senate bills, um, for example, establishing a micro drone category. Two two uh, kilograms and below would be uh, mostly unregulated, and, um, and and that would be less restric- restrictive than the current regime. Much less restrictive than the current regime. Um, there would be, you know, clarification that uh, the 333 exemptions, as they're known, um, that the FAA is issuing for commercial rules, that the FAA would be authorized to, um, or in Congress's view, is already authorized to uh, to authorize those uh, be, be online of sight and, and uh, outside the hours of sunrise and sunset and so so on. So so basically Congress is saying, well, the FAA has said, you know, it doesn't have authority to do some things. And we're, we're, we're going to say, no, it really does. And it can it can do these things and it needs to consider them in the cost benefit. Yeah. When agencies are up for reauthorization, that offers a rare opportunity to kind of change the trajectory of regulation to some of these agencies are very stubborn and they don't change much regardless of which administration's in power and which party has control. But when their very existence is being contemplated, when you're reauthorizing an agency, that's an opportunity for Congress to really reassert itself and say, this is your job. You need to do it however unpopular and however much time it takes, because the longer you drag your feet, the less competitive it makes us. And it's worth noting that the $5 registration requirement is not legally certain right now. Because the FAA rushed it through before Christmas without opening it up for public comment, that's a procedural problem. And Tech Freedom and others have pointed that out, and we'll be filing an amicus brief in that case. Uh, so 
listeners, the registration requirement is not even certain. And as Congress reauthorizes the agency, we'll really get a closer look at what drone regulation is going to look like in the future. But that's it for today's show. My guest has been Eli Dorado, the Director of Technology Policy at the Mercatus Center, a research center based at George Mason University. You can check out the study at mercatus.org and follow him on Twitter at Eli Dorado. That's at E-L-I-D-O-U-R-A-D-O. Eli, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Evan. Follow us on Twitter at Tech Freedom or on Facebook.com slash Tech Freedom. Find this podcast in the iTunes store or on your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It will help others find the show. Thank you for listening. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.